Hi, welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast, where I interview creative people about how they work with and manage the stress that is inherent in creative work. What I'm looking for is the answer to the question, what is the connection between creativity and stress? How does stress motivate us to be creative? And how does creativity relieve stress? I haven't found one single answer, and pretty much everyone that I talk to has a different way of viewing and managing the stress that is inherent in creative work. Today I interviewed Anna. Anna is the CEO and co-founder of the Migrant Hub Networks in Berlin, Germany. Migrant Hub Network is essentially a space where migrants can come and work together and connect and maybe even start companies. Uh, Anna, has, Anna is, a, is a migrant herself from Costa Rica and she has a lot of valuable wisdom to say about the role of entrepreneurship in, uh, and the connection between entrepreneurship and migrants. Uh, many successful Silicon Valley entrepreneurs are migrants themselves. Maybe there is something about the migration process that helps people become entrepreneurs. It's also quite a stressful process. And Anna has a lot to share about the stress that people who are migrants have. So welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. <laughs> that's, amazing. that's an amazing name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your name? My name is Anna. Uh-huh. And uh, where do you come from? I'm coming from Costa Rica. Okay. And uh, what are you doing here? Well, I migrated in September 2015. It's going to be already three years. Here to Berlin, right? Mm. To Berlin, exactly. Yeah. See, here we are in, in Berlin in the Migration Hub Network. And um, I came here with a dream of learning German first. Mm. Um, I wanted to take a gap year. I was working nonstop for 13 years. Uh, I know I look young, but I'm not that young anymore. And um, I didn't want to do something different. My dream was to live abroad. And Berlin, for somehow, for, yeah, somehow it was always in the top of my head that it was my destination to, to live abroad. And so I did. And um, I didn't imagine what happened afterwards. And then I stayed. Hmm. Uh, and what are you building here? So basically, I founded an organization called Migration Hub Network, which is a network of social organizations and projects working in the field of migration, asylum seekers, and refugee integration. Um, and I also have a network of migrants becoming entrepreneurs. So I also provide for both a program in training and mentoring for the organizations to grow, kind of like an accelerator, basically, but more in the ecosystem of migration, because this is our expertise. I'm an expert in human rights and, and migration issues, of course, um, but uh, building something different for them that when we talk about the topic of migration, it's not in the traditional five stars hotels in five stars reports with five stars people. It's more going down to the people mm. and, um, and including basically the migrants in the conversation. So, um, so I built something, um, something quite innovative, uh, according to some other people, with a very old topic, which is migration. And as you can imagine, also in, from the people in the United States, how important it is to address this issue and to become more creative in how we can tackle this thing in a in a different angle. Sometimes. Um, we find ourselves doing more advocacy these days, especially because of, of the whole situation around the world, taking us migrants uh, as a negative outcome when it's totally the opposite. Um, and the way we do it is basically promoting them, migrants themselves, to do something for their own livelihoods. 
and also for the rest of the social projects to really make an impact. And um, how I did it? Well, I followed a lot of uh, methodologies, including design thinking, in how to take this old topic into something new. And um, uh, one thing that we offer are these spaces where you are right now, which is the hubs. The hubs functions as a physical spaces for people to gather, to commute, to build their own events, um, build their own communities. So the hubs are a free space for all these organizations and for the migrant entrepreneurs. And so anybody, <coughs> any migrant can come here or do they have to be part of the network first? They have to be part of the network and uh -huh. basically the migrants who are becoming entrepreneurs, they have a free space for them to work here. Okay. Uh -huh. And how does a migrant find you guys? Well, um, that's been a quite um, a quite a journey because at the beginning, of course, especially I'm a migrant who knows you. Um, I guess that the more we're working and, and making an impact, uh, now actually I have to say that we are not even coping with the demand. Mm. Uh, we have this hub, we have another one in Heidelberg, we mm. have two more in the making outside Germany, mm. and requests everywhere, and building a big network as well now in San Francisco, between uh -huh. San Francisco and Washington. And that's part of the interesting thing about being creative and creating something, particularly an organization or a startup, is that we want it to be done quickly, or at least I want it to be done quickly. And so like, uh, uh, when I'm starting something, I want it to be done like yesterday, <laughs> but it takes so long to yeah. do something. How yeah. long have you guys been working? Well, two years, uh -huh. right? Yeah. And, and it's absolutely nothing. I have to say that that was not my case. I uh -huh. actually was the one, because I guess my experience, I work in the government in my country and mm -hmm. in NGOs, so I had a different mm -hmm. pace yep. somehow. Mm -hmm. But I now I go, I look back and I remember my, my poor bosses mm -hmm. who had to deal with me. Uh -huh. I had a boss actually from the US who used to tell me like, oh, you look like a Japanese rail. And I always took it in a very bad way, in a very personal. Now I understand it because perhaps I had this entrepreneurial um, mindset, which I didn't know until I arrived to Berlin. Um, and I want to do things faster, though I am okay if things take a time, mm -hmm. right? But I guess it's the entire ecosystem of a startup that drives you to go very fast. Mm -hmm. and that turns sometimes to be a little bit overwhelming, especially in our case. I mean, I wish many, I, I think many startups will wish to have the exposition publicly that Migration Hub has had to sell products, right? And mm. we have had a lot of exposition. Mm. So one of the overwhelming things for me is scaling so fast mm. before nailing it mm. in one city, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess that comes with age and experience. And, and that's something that I always try to cope with, like not to go that fast but not to kill people's um, um, you know, emotions when they want to help you uh, doing things. So one of the interesting things about startups is that the capital comes from venture capitalists who have an interest mm -hmm. in seeing that business grow to 10x the original size. Mm -hmm. um, but you, this is an NGO, right? Um, it's a social enterprise, okay. uh -huh. right? So um, it's not an NGO per se. Germany has the opportunity, for example, I have to run it as a business. Okay. So I have to have profit. Oh, the only difference is that I, I don't take it in my pockets. So okay. I'm the founder and I'm the CEO. So I just basically have a salary. But mm -hmm. then all the money that I make, I put it down to the to the cost. And so the money that you're making is uh, based on the network fee. The, the Network the, fee, uh -huh. consulting, uh -huh. uh, especially mm -hmm. the... the um, uh, NGOs, companies, so we work with companies, especially when they want to do something for refugees. We design and implement for them programs, how they can integrate migrants and refugees and mm. governmental institutions as well. Mm. And this whole picture, and so what I'm realizing now, being in Berlin for the past couple of weeks, talking with Fod last week, 
essentially, and talking to my friend, says there's one million migrants from Syria here in Berlin out of two million total, right? Yeah, that's that's a perception, right? Oh. No, I mean, in 2015, between 2015 and 16, Germany received 1. Uh, 1.5 asylum seekers. Not everyone stayed because they continue in the move or, or right, the government Europe. has been, you know, placing them in different different. So in total, we're talking about 600,000, mm. which are in all over Germany. Mm. Um, and only 400,000, perhaps nearly, are they have a refugee status. Mm. Having a refugee status means that they can stay and they can basically build a life here. Mm. The, the problem is with the asylum seekers that are still in the move all over Europe and even Central America to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and what type of problems are they facing? Well, lack of job in, in places like Germany language, which takes time to learn the German language. Um, also, it try to introduce yourself and include yourself into the system. So, for example, finding a job it is connected with the language. Um, actually, startups have been very gentle, especially the ones who have a um, background in software development in, or coders. Um, basically, um, they get jobs way easily, but uh, things don't work. In your, especially when you come from a completely different region than this one, your education system is different. So sometimes your titles are not recognized. So that is what is creating a loophole here in, in the system. And mm. jobs language, I, I would guess, is one of the biggest issues. And by default, is access to housing. So still, there are many shelters and, and refugee camps because people can't find houses. Mm. You cannot find a house if you cannot pay it. Mm. So or 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 get a, a great deal. So. I guess housing is when uh, the aftermath of the whole thing and that creates a lot of mental health problems Mm. on people Mm. to stay living in shelters and and other accommodations Mm. for so long time. Uh, And so we talked a little bit before we before we started recording about how uh, uh, migrants often have a resiliency to them. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, which is an important point, it's not the case with all of them, uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, for Mm -hmm. a certain group of, Mm -hmm. of them, this stress that, that they've uh, moving across borders causes them to be very creative yeah, yeah. what are some of the most uh in- interesting or uplifting and um, inspiring kind of stories you've absolutely. heard so far absolutely um, well it's quite interesting because ever since i mean becoming an entrepreneur for me as a migrant was definitely uh quite a journey and i found a lot of similarities on refugees or migrants themselves who have become uh, um, entrepreneurs because of the stress or the journey that they went through. So to me, obviously, um, um, one of my techniques that I always share with people uh, is try to surround yourself with people who are much more resilient than you. Mm. And when I talk about resilience than you, I'm always talking about refugees and people mm. who lost it all mm. or who or who had to leave their country because they were under attack or they were surviving a war or a, something very terrible. These people, when they made the decision to leave their country, to leave their moms, to leave their family behind, that is the worst pain that you can ever feel. Mm. On top of that, the journey. Mm. So, so basically, uh, Omar, one of the migrant entrepreneurs, were here in house in Berlin, in the hub in Berlin. Um, I mean, I don't know. He's he came by the Mediterranean. He crossed the Mediterranean from Libya, who was a disaster, is still a disaster place for migrants to who are in the move. Um, his boat almost got lost, and um, actually got lost. Was founded locally by by these kind of rescue boats, and and he came to Germany 
well, to the coast in, in Europe through Italy. They were driving. Their idea was to go all the way to Denmark. And they were stopped. The car was stopped and he was driving. So he was detained in Germany. Because of that, all his siblings with whom he was driving, um, they managed to, to get into Denmark. But he couldn't. He went to Denmark as well, but he was not accepted mm-hmm. in Denmark. So his entire, let's say, siblings and family were there, cousins and brothers. And he was the older, and he had to come to Germany. Mm-hmm. So again, another separation, mm-hmm. right? Um, and now he, here he is, building an app, mm-hmm. which is very successful at the moment because it aims to transform the German bureaucratic system into a digital process. Mm-hmm. And if you see him... I mean, every time I am in travels, or not in travels, but let's say I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know, um, down because of, you know, a lot of things going on, overwhelmed. I had a problem with my team. The first person I go, not at the beginning, of course, because I didn't know how to deal with this, is with him. Mm. And he's the one who, actually, when was it? Like two weeks ago, I had an issue. And then he said, Habibi, because this is how you say darling in, in Arabic, yeah. Habibi, come to my house and I'll cook for you. <laughs> And I always get the best advices from him. And something that is always in my head that he always tells me is, Habibi, be strong. Mm. You are here to be strong because many people are looking after you. Mm. So you have to be strong. Mm. And if that comes from a person who has to go through all these things, Mm. who am I to say that I should not be strong? Mm. That's beautiful. Um, And Omar, what is he, what's the name of his app? You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> you can you can Google it. Yeah. It's it's amazing and it's been all over the uh, I mean the world. Even the Guardian, Washington Post have been featuring them, oh. um, though they're still in the making, right? Because mm. uh, this is also part of the work that I do as a migration hub is trying to help them to scale, mm. but not to scale just for the sake of going abroad. It's also for them to get investors, mm. and that's a, a barrier that I'm trying to to break here. And I will be basically very soon in Silicon Valley mm. next month. Mm. Um, it, um, trying to gain more uh, more support in this. The fact that you're a migrant or a refugee doesn't mean that you're not unstable to mm-hmm. build a business. Mm-hmm. And and we need trust. We need more trust in, in refugees for capital. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing I see in terms of getting capital for this mm-hmm. thing because you have certain investors who might see it, who might get that, that resiliency can breed read somebody who could build exactly. a billion and, dollar business but, but there are many examples of uh, it right i yeah. mean i just i just have the feeling that not everyone uh, understands it mm-hmm. right i mean i completely understand at the end is, is their money speaking on german foundations it's their money and mm-hmm. they're it's they might be afraid of risking mm-hmm. who will receive the money mm-hmm. for example what if you have to leave right are you going to leave your company no so I, we have examples of on people, the many people that I've met in my way, successful entrepreneurs who are mm. based in Silicon Valley or in London who were refugees from mm. Lebanon or, mm. or Kosovo. Mm-hmm. Um, there is this guy, Edin Basic, who built an empire mm. doing pizzas. Now he's mm. one of the owners of more than 27 restaurants in London. Um, his franchise was, be, was bought um, which I guess is when you are very successful as an entrepreneur by a big chain and he became millionaire and because in, and with that he became an investor mm. now also to refugees. So so th- there are many, 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 many stories that we can share here to mm. kind of change the mindset. Change this mindset. Yeah. But it's uh, gonna be a lot of work, yeah. I guess. Mm. <laughs>
um, in particular because venture capitalists want to see a billion dollar company um, and yeah and that Not for everyone yeah uh-huh. and most of the way that a lot of venture capitalists make their decisions is whether it comes through their network and usually the network is of people yeah. who are already in a privileged mm-hmm. privileged mm-hmm. position so it's like uh, refugees don't have that mm-hmm. network which is the reason why I guess you guys are doing this right <clears throat> exactly yeah. also this companionship and, uh-huh. and, and for them to feel first of all and foremost at home mm-hmm. that there's someone gonna be there trying to help them and that's basically the fact that we want to leave to, to let investors know that they're not alone that mm-hmm. there are people around them supporting mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. so here they don't only have a house or a home for them uh, mm-hmm. this co-working space or this is I mean we don't call it a working space it's more a community space mm-hmm. Um, where they can work, some call it co-working space, but it doesn't function like it. But they have this and they also have mentors, they have a network of social organizations supporting them in illegal uh, services, in finance services and stuff like that. So they're not alone. And also, most importantly, is this call is not for regular investors. Mm -hmm. This call goes to investors who have gone through as migrants. I mean, I know many migrants who Perhaps they don't use their personal story to say, hey, I'm a migrant and I was also successful and I'm an entrepreneur. Mm. But I, this message goes to them because mm. they know very well and I know that they today will be the perfect target to help others to mm. understand um, that it's worth giving. Mm. So you mentioned briefly uh, when you experience moments <coughs> of overwhelm. Uh, what are the techniques that you use or the kind of uh, uh, mindsets that you use in order to... Mm. Uh, deal with those moments of overwhelm absolutely well first of all I am I tried a lot I tried yoga I tried meditation I guess um, cultural speaking I guess it didn't fit to me because I'm a little bit I get a little bit desperate um, and and I want to be more active Uh so I have to say that it took me a long time to discover at first what I tried to do especially um, since Berlin uh, is such a nice city to go out and walk Perhaps that wouldn't have been the the same in Costa Rica because it's quite dangerous to go out and walk. <laughs> exactly. Um, so here I I used to take walks, long walks in the morning, right? And and I love to do that more when it's a little bit cooler and before the sunrise. Um, but then I found kind of like a hobby. It's um, took me a while um, and it's taking me a while, but I decided to go for a sport that challenges me and I do it every Sunday night actually which is great because then with my life I sometimes don't have time but I make sure to be here on Sunday's night I do pole dancing which is quite funny Um, (laughs) and uh, it was funny because I didn't know that I could actually do it because you see all these women with these wonderful bodies and stuff it's like no you're never gonna do it but but it's quite interesting because I guess that once you're an entrepreneur you are used to challenge yourself mm-hmm. to do something new mm-hmm. and that's what I've been doing so mm-hmm. I know that Sundays I'm setting my mind uh. to challenge myself in something new uh. and then I forget everything which is around me and so you just try a new sport each time I, exactly yep. mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so so I I basically like to, to challenge because doing pole dancing is very hard mm-hmm. I have to say that a lot of core uh, strength yeah <laughs> yeah I mean uh if I would go to a nightclub or something, I would be there just to admire them all because really, it's really hard. Uh-huh. No, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, but um, but it's really hard, and it really you will see the advancement. So if people don't feel that you know, like doing meditate, meditation, or yoga, it's or or walk, it's mm. it's your way. Try to find a sport that 
challenge you mm. because that is going to take your mindset away mm. at least for a couple of hours. Mm. And look at me. I mean, I am always expecting Sundays. And mm. if someone books me on Sundays for something, I'll get mad because mm. I'm really looking forward to that escape. Mm. Second, which is what I, uh, I kind of mentioned already, is um, try to surround yourself by resilient people mm. and very resilient people. Mm. Pick them. I know it's hard because being an entrepreneur, it's a very isolated position. Mm. You end up losing family members sometimes because you don't get to see them all the time. You don't get to call them all the time, which is bad. I know, but it's what happens. Um, many get divorced mm. in the making. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, friends as well, because they don't understand you or basically you, again, you have no time to go out and, and so on. And, and, and you change somehow. Mm-hmm. So you get to know new people, but choose them wisely. Mm. Um, the worst thing that could happen is being surrounded by people who are always negative and always complaining. Um, no, go and choose, even if it's three or two people, but mm. make sure that you are surrounded by these people so they can lift you up when you need. Mm. And for many of us, I guess, but that might not be the case from everyone, if I look back in 2015 when I came to Berlin, which was, first of all, my dream, um, it was my first time living abroad, although I was in the 30 plus and I felt I was already too old to do this jump. Um, I look back to those days and I look myself now and, and, and said, okay, how did the Anna in the past would have sold this? Because back then I wouldn't have wished to have the opportunities I have now. And then I just tried to remember that I, back then I was alone. Well, not alone necessarily, but I was alone with myself. I was, I didn't have any chance. No one was giving me jobs. No one was giving me the opportunity that I was seeking. Um, and then two years later, I built something that I could have never imagined. It was going to take such a big jump and such an acceptance from, from people. And I let it not to drive me crazy mm. and, and to let that all Anna to solve mm. the issues. So you talked about this being really hard and entrepreneurship being very lonely and, and like this whole thing, just losing family members and not having the time to do the things you want to do. How, why do you do it? Why, why are you doing this? I guess that when your goal is bigger, bigger than yourself, uh-huh. when you really build something and you believe that this can change lives, even with the very symbolic product, mm-hmm. when that happens is when you are just, when you're not doing it for yourself. Mm-hmm you're doing it for a bigger purpose, mm. right? Like you want to inspire more people. You want to reach out more people. And that to me is what keeps you going. Mm. Um, at the end, what I have learned in this entire journey is the family who are going to remain, let's say your parents, your siblings, they're always going to be there. Mm. It took me two years and a half to go back to Costa Rica to visit my mother. And um, I was really sad. I, was, uh, I thought that I was going in depression because of that. And uh, my father had an accident. He, he lost his leg in that accident. And, and I wanted to drop everything and basically to go back home and, and help. And he called me and said, like, no, Anna, don't, don't come. Come as a tourist. Mm. Come when you make it. Mm. And that is something that uh, kept me going until I kind of made it. Mm. And, um, and, but that's really hard. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes entrepreneurs have to go through these things. And there is a very famous entrepreneur who is um, the founder of Amazon who mm-hmm. says that um, Jeff Bezos, that entrepreneurs are going to be misunderstood for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely true mm-hmm. because of all this pain that you're going through because of 
your vision, you have a vision to do things, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, especially when you're doing it alone uh, and with a team, but let's say alone from the vision point of view, it's quite hard to transfer this vision to others until they'll see it mm-hmm. is when people will say, ah, I got understand yeah, now, yeah, I yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. But maybe it could be that you won't make it and yeah. then you'll fail. So people say, like, oh, no, you were a really bad entrepreneur. No, I guess that's, that's the thing. My family, I guess, they never got what mm-hmm. I was doing. Mm-hmm. They were just there supporting me mm-hmm. until very recently I got in the news in Costa Rica uh, because of the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I had a visitor um, uh, like a TV show visiting in Berlin and they were very blown away by by me doing this. Mm. And they, I guess, that's what I was told, they dedicated tons of time in the, um, in the in, you know, I, I appeared on TV basically in every match in the World Cup. <laughs> I, I don't want to go back afterwards, no. Uh, so then my mother texted me saying, oh, I finally got what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you, once you get the yes. cultural uh, appreciation. Yeah, yeah, and she said, I thought that you were volunteering with refugees. Yeah. And I was like, no, but, you know. Um, so it is true. I mean, yeah. but I guess these close people are always going to remain with you. And this this is something what you just talked about, about not being misunderstood. Uh, it's a mentor once told me, basically, I was talking about, you know, I want to write when I write. I want people to read it. I want I want I, um, I want I want it to mean something like now. And then he's like, but you write once you write something, it's there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Internet's going to continue for a very long time. Uh, so it's going to be there for future generations. So if you only really think about like only affecting the people around you right now, that's kind of like a limited framework when you look at it at, from a longer time scale. And then you start to think about maybe the, the, some of the famous people in history that are only famous after they died. So they lived their whole lives being misunderstood. And like being okay with that has been uh, a hard thing for me to come to terms with. But you know, absolutely. Yeah, but, but I think it's important to do. But this is exactly when I was telling you that this is when the goal becomes bigger than than yourself, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And and that's what keeps you going. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's nice. That's a beautiful thing to have. Mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, we've got about five minutes left. What is uh, what is one piece of advice or a book that you've read, an article that you've recently <clears> seen, that or one tip that you would give to somebody who's undergoing huge amounts of stress right mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. wants to be more creative or wants to channel that stress into something? It's quite funny because this weekend I read an article from Forbes um, about how to deal with um, how to deal with failure mm-hmm. in about in, in entrepreneurs or in general how to deal with failure. That was the title. That was really, really, I mean, not that I know or I didn't know all the things that were there, but it's quite nice to read it. So I really would like to encourage, you know, podcasts or more articles to talk about it mm-hmm. because fail is all our fear, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. your fear, it's my fear every day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes on the eyes of people, we're not failing. Sometimes, for example, I remember one member of my network coming and telling me, Oh, but you're really successful and I was like well I don't feel like it because I feel that I'm failing why you're failing because you punish yourself very hard because you would like perhaps you were imagining to be somewhere else right now perhaps you would have imagined not to be struggling with these or you know but um, but uh, that's also why I guess us the entrepreneurs reading it from ourselves and having experts reminded us that it's normal that there are techniques that there are ways it's the most, uh, for me, the most um, uh, uplifting or when I feel 
that I am backed up, that mm. I'm okay, that this is normal, that this mm. is not happening to me only. Mm. And that loneliness of being an entrepreneur somehow is over when I read these articles. Mm. And a book that I always recommend, um, not my favorite person on earth, I would say, uh-huh. uh, which is um, Zero to One from, from uh-huh. Peter Thiel. Peter yeah. Uh, not my favorite person on earth, uh, especially because he's a Republican. But um, but that book is a Bible, and mm. I call it a Bible because mm. it's um, everything I read, I went through mm. in a business from a business point of view. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it's nice to know that even people that are in a level, different level, and they manage to also build other companies and to help others mm. to grow, um, went through the same. So mm. that's that's. That's something that I keep saying to people, read about it. Mm-hmm. And if you, if especially entrepreneurs, yeah, perhaps uh, our very inspirational books and amazing novels to keep us very intellectual. Um, I divide it now between reports on migration <laughs> and podcasts oh. and books about businesses. Yeah. So I've got to ask this question because it's. I think it's going to be so important for, for my time here in Berlin. I think it's, it's becoming quite clear that uh, this world is we're about to enter is a stage of mass global movement like yeah. m- much more than we've seen any, yeah. any time and period of history and it's going to cause a lot of stress but I guess it's a it's a function of stress as well because we're seeing climate change start to erode um, uh, areas in, in the south mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. these people are going to start moving north how what do you what is the end game of this well two things one we have to learn to live together yeah. there's no other choice right now there's no there's no turning back mm. that's really important that we have to understand how to deal with this especially when right wing is growing and when we have people like Trump when we didn't expect it why what happened when we have more resources and more ways to be more open and more educated civilizations we have well way, way better young people educated than we had before so it's about fear <laughs> and we're fear we we fear about the future we fear about digitalization taking over our jobs we fear about migrants taking over our jobs we fear about migrants taking over our identity we fear about them having more babies than we are and populating more muslims in europe and then they are not mm-hmm. blonde anymore or mm-hmm. white mm-hmm. so so the only way that we can overcome fear is to ask to ask the ones who are working there to get in touch with the people that we fear the most mm. and and get away this fear mm-hmm. because do not forget that there's a group of people and they're being very successful at it cultivating fear mm. if you see the rallies of the right wing in germany in the whole europe in latin america they're using religion for that especially the evangelic church um, United States, Trump, and the, and and all these people—they're using fear in their campaign. Mm-hmm. They're constantly shouting. They're constantly confronting. They're constantly using words that we actually we have never expected a president mm-hmm. in, in of a country using these words, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're doing it for for a reason. So let's not fall on that. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, as an expert. I am, it's fine if you're biased. It's fine if you are afraid of the unknown. That's normal. That's mm-hmm. human nature. Mm-hmm. What is not okay is not to ask. Mm-hmm. It's to fall under someone else's strategy yeah. who's basically using us to cultivate that fear. Yeah, that's beautiful. 
uh, thank you so much for coming on the of show. Of course. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. And how can people find you to reach out to you? Or well, um, migrationhub.network. That's yeah. our website. Find us on, on, on Facebook, Instagram with Migration Hub Network, Twitter as well. Um, join us. Join our network. Um, very soon, as I said, I'm going to be in the United States because we're growing as a network. And we just want to get in touch with all these organizations and people supporting migrants because the bigger we are, not as a migration hub as a company, but in the network and the more people we can work together, I guess the better for us migrants to have an opportunity and to stop being perceived as a negative mm. uh, burden mm. for countries. Cool. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 40, 30 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs>